apparently I'm being recorded, so I must watch what I say. (laughs) Well, when I got the email from Jennifer the other night um, with the opportunity to share, my immediate thought was to go to God and say, God, what do I share? What do I say uh, to those who have become my friends and my brothers and sisters in the Lord? What could I share about my life that would encourage you and empower you to live a life worthy of the calling that you've received? And so as I was praying and asking the Lord what I should say, this is what the Lord said to me. Life is not as long as you think. And I thought for a moment, are you saying that to me now, Lord? (laughs) Life is not as long as you think. And I think there can be a sense in our lifetime that day by day by day, uh, we live this life and we don't give much thought to Eternity. Well, in April of 2013, I came face to face with the prospect of eternity. And so that's what I'm going to share with you this morning. I was getting ready for church, doing all the things that good Christians do. Studying, finishing. I just finished my last paper Um, for Dr. Kalaki, as a matter of fact. I'm not saying that that's what happened. (laughs) (laughs) By no means am I casting blame on the good doctor for (laughs) assigning. But I I just finished my last paper on Friday, prepared for Sunday, on Saturday and woke up Sunday morning ready to preach the Word of God to the fine folks at Harmony. I blew out the back of my heel, you know, trivial things, these trivial things that we think are inconsequential. I blew out the back of my heel on my dress shoes and I thought, hmm, I need to find the glue gun because that's what I do. It blows out, I glue it, and then six months later it (laughs) blows out and I glue it. So on. My wife's says, why don't you just go buy a new pair of shoes? And so I was forced to go to the car, run out to the car to get another pair of shoes that I had in the trunk. Because everybody carries a spare set of dress shoes in your trunk. (laughs) And so as I came back in, I began to experience pains across my chest. They were... It wasn't like the type of pain where you go sort of like a loss, lose your breath. It was kind of like somebody standing on your chest. And I thought, okay, I just need to chill out for a minute, catch my breath, and I'll be fine. Well, it wasn't fine. It wasn't fine. My wife proceeded to call 911, and by the time she got on the phone with the operator, the pain had subsided. It had left. And... um, She said, well, do you want them to come? And I said, no, no. No, it's okay, I'm fine. And so we got up, and Kim looked at me and said, okay, well, let's let's get going to the hospital. And I said, no, no, it's okay. We're good. And you know how they say the first sign of a heart attack is denial? (laughs) I was definitely denying it. 
And so we set off to go to church. And we got to Main Street by the McDonald's and we pulled in to get a coffee like we normally do. And the chest pains came back, except I wasn't doing anything. So we did not pass go. We did not collect $200. We went directly to the hospital and um, I thought it would be a short trip in and a short trip out. And uh, two, almost two and a half weeks later, I was released from the hospital having gone through uh, open heart surgery. During my stay in the Chateau Dartmouth, <laughs> God spoke to me almost daily. I began to ask God questions like, Why, God, aren't I doing the things that you want me to do? Aren't I, you know, and, and some could say jumping through all the hoops? And during one evening after my family had left and gone home, which was probably the most difficult time of the day for me, watching my family leave as I was not able to leave, I began reading in the Bible and I said, Lord, where do you want me to read? You know, we go to the Psalms, the comfort food of the soul, and nothing was sticking. And God said, go to Revelation 2. Go to Revelation 2. And though I'd read Revelation 2 many times, I'd flip to Revelation 2, and it's almost as I read it, Jesus was speaking directly to me. While the words were penned to the church of Ephesus, Jesus was speaking directly to me, saying, Doug, I know your hard work. I know all the things that you are doing, all the things that you think are good and right and admirable. Yet I hold this you, I hold this against you. In the process of doing, you've forsaken the most important thing, my love. You've forsaken your first love. And as I read that, I took a deep breath and I said to God, how is that possible? How is that possible, God? In all that I'm doing, how is that possible? Easy. Easy. And so at that very moment, I discovered that the most important thing in my life was the same thing that Paul discovered, was to know Jesus Christ in His resurrection. That everything else came secondary. Church, academia, all of these things become secondary because our first and greatest commandment is to love God with all of our heart discovering that great love. You see, I didn't realize it, but I was on empty. Spiritually, just vacant. I was going through the motions, which is a bit um, embarrassing. Pastoring a church, delivering messages to people, encouraging them to be filled with the love and the joy and the hope and the promise of God, and yet standing, forsaking the One who gives all, who gives life. And I thought for a moment, Lord, forgive me. But then you know what my second words were? 
Thank You, Lord. Thank You, Lord, that You love me enough to stop me dead in my tracks and to bring me to a point where I would listen. And so, this trip in the hospital, this open heart surgery, became the greatest gift that God's ever done for me. Though many would look at it as tragic and terrible and, oh my gosh, I would tell people after I got out of the hospital, it's been the greatest blessing that God's ever done in my life. Because at one point in the hospital, and I'll say that this is, the only way I can describe this is it was a supernatural event because we serve a supernatural God. Where the Lord brought me to, it was just Him and I, where the Lord brought me to what I describe as the edge of eternity. And I looked and I could perceive distance like I never could before. It was more real than the most physical object you could see, taste, hear, smell. It was beyond senses. And I just... I just... The utter brevity of eternity lying before me. And I thought to myself, oh my. And it went on. I mean, our concept of forever just couldn't describe it. And yet there was one thing between me and the rest of eternity. Jesus Christ. That was it. When everything else, church, family, brothers, sisters, when everything else was stripped away, there was Christ. Just Him. And I thought... Oh Lord. And a number of months ago, a number of years ago, before I went and decided to return back to school, God brought me through a period of three months where He began to dismantle everything in my life that I thought was important and relevant and that created my identity. I was in business for 15 years. And a lot of my identity was bound up in that. And God brought me to a place where I. You know, three months after that, I was like, Lord, who am I? Who am I? And there was this overwhelming sense that I said, Lord, God, I'm I'm nothing. I'm nothing. And then that still, small voice said, You are mine. You are mine. Your identity, who you are, how you walk, how you... Look at yourself in the mirror. Your identity is is made up in who I am. Because I'm creating this new creation, this new person. And so if I leave you with one thing today, it's to tell you, life is not as long as you think. Take every opportunity to draw close to Christ. And He will fill you to overflowing. People you will radiate the love and the compassion of Jesus Christ. And it will change lives. It will change lives. Thank you. Thanks, Doug.
I'm going to share with you first through a poem that I wrote probably about 10 or 11 years ago. And it probably sums up, um, I guess it's kind of a testimony poem. And then I'm going to share briefly with you about something that God has worked on in my life over the past year since I've been here at Acadia. Why do I feel myself so lonely, only to find you there, waiting for me to come into your arms? You hold me. You told me that you'd never leave me. You stood by my side all the way. It was me letting go, pushing away. Wanted to run, wanted to flee. From the sight I'd become intoxicated by the world. I played it well, the life that shouldn't be until you showed me the death of life that drew near. Showed me why to fight for life. I came rushing to you, arms open wide. For your warmth again, holding me tight, you cried. As another fearful child raced to your life, to your love. Those days are going. The new ones have come. Still with every breath I breathe, you are there waiting, waiting for me to fall at your feet. But sometimes I still feel lonely, only to find myself needing you, yearning for your tender touch of love upon my weary soul. Take this life you give so your glory shines and you become famous. Sometimes when we're asked to share testimony, we think of sharing from the get-go, uh, from when we're saved and all of that that's happened. But I really um, wanted to share with you something that God has been working within me over the last year. So by now, most of the students here and maybe some of the professors, I don't know, we've all taken the Myers-Briggs uh, personality test. And I'm an INFJ, so for me to be up here and sharing something very personal with you is a lot. Um, I shared a portion of this uh, during my very first sermon, but um, I'm another part of, I guess, my weaknesses of um, that type of personality, which I knew about myself, but I actually could put it to words now, is... Um, Fear and insecurity, a feeling of inadequacy. So that's just a little bit of background on my personality. So here's a little portion of my fear and feeling of inadequacy in my life. Um, in one area, it's I think it's been conquered, but not on my own, only with the strength of the Lord. Before I came to ADC, I was a children's pastor at a church in Ontario for five years. And uh, over the years, my ministry grew. I grew in um, who I was as a children's pastor, as a pastor, and was mentored by the senior pastor there. And the last two summers I was there, he approached me, and we were sitting in his office, as we did weekly with the youth pastor, and he said, So, Erin... Are you going to preach this summer? Would you like to? 
oh dear, what do I say? This is what I'm thinking in my head. And I said, I'll get, let me get back to you on that. So the summer months went by. I had vacation bottle school on my summer camps, and the summer ended, and nothing was said. So the next summer, Aaron, would you like to preach this summer? Uh, I'll get back to you on that. <laughs> and the same thing happened. At the church, there were retired pastors, and there were seminary professors and Bible college professors, and that was just a little daunting for me. And I'd never preached before. I did many things during the service and shared in the, in the worship service, but preaching wasn't one of them. And I had a fear of doing that and a feeling of insecurity. So I was led to ADC where you have to take a preaching and worship course. <laughs> so last winter, I took it with Dr. Morier, and I had to prepare a sermon and present it. Oh boy. So, I got ready, and what did I do? I was going along, got my sermon outline going, and I called Pastor Peter, who was the pastor at the previous church. And I said... I have to preach. So we talked it through and all that, and he said, oh, you're, good. you're on a good track. You'll do fine. And so, okay. So it's kind of interesting that I was actually only supposed to read scripture today, but then Jennifer asked me to share my testimony. And it's interesting that today, a year ago, this exact day, sorry, I'm just going to, it's a big thing, I guess. Um, I didn't think this is going to happen. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I preached my very first sermon in this very room um, last year in front of a few students and Dr. McRae. And um, it was interesting that my topic was on fear and faith that I talked about. And uh, from Numbers 13, 1 to 3, 17 to 33, and um, during, dealing with the fear and faithfulness, and I was able to incorporate this into my sermon. After I gave my sermon, Dr. McRae, he looked at me and said, you need to get that fear out of you. And I wish he was here, because I would tell him that that has happened, and God and I have worked through that over this past year. The following Sunday, um, so next, this upcoming Sunday would be a year that I um, gave that sermon to the church at Newport Baptist Church in front of Dr. Brackney, of all people. <laughs> and um, I also reserved, received my church license, and they gave it to me before I preached. I'm not sure if that's the way it should be, but... That's all right. And uh, they didn't take it back, so that's good. <laughs> and I've had several opportunities to share at Newport Baptist and also at a couple churches in New Brunswick. And um, that was a... a God really worked it through in me um, this past year on that. And... Um, I just want to say, don't let fear rule your life for whatever it is and insecurities, because they hold you back from what God wants you to do. 
and from um, sharing with other people, whether whatever it is, whether it's preaching or maybe it was the full call to ministry for you. It was, I was good with the call to ministry. I just avoided um, the preaching part of it. We need to kick that fear and insecurity out of our life, but it can only happen when we let God lead us and encourage us and give us strength. He is mighty. A song that has been um, an encouragement to me, and maybe it's weird for some of you that I typically play on a Sunday morning if I'm going to be leading the service and preaching is Our God by Chris Tomlin. And I incorporated this into my sermon as a reflective um, song at the end. So I'm just going to read a few lines. Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer, awesome in power. Our God, our God. And if our God is for us, then who could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then what could stand against And also Isaiah 41.10 comes to mind. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Let God do that in your life. Amen. Amen. First of all, I want to say it's my real plum pleasing pleasure to be called to to, uh, say a few words about myself, my life. And um, it's never an easy task when you have to stand before uh, profound professors, you know, uh, who are so well well versed in their fields. And um, I just want to say, uh, that I'm so grateful and privileged to um, have studied here at Acadia Divinity College. Um, I just reflect and recount some of the, the things that have meant so much to me over the years of my study here. Um, the miracle of being accepted into this college. A lot of my uh, transcripts were old and uh, were hidden somewhere uh, in Ghana, West Africa. And one day I came here with a friend just to, you know, find out about what goes on here and met with wonderful Shauna, um, who facilitated a miracle and uh, was very patient and uh, gave me or facilitated a conditional um, uh, acceptance to the Divinity College uh, through prayer and uh, just hoping. I came about maybe just a couple weeks before school was re- was opening and admissions would have been passed, way past that time. However, God came through and I became a student of this amazing uh, Divinity College and I've had a profound journey, which I still am on. I'm not done yet. Uh, the privilege of first year, you know, being taught by the president himself. 
Dr. Gardner and uh, having wonderful times in class and with other professors. I won't mention everybody because sometimes when you forget to mention one, people get offended. <laughs> so Dr. Gardner is enough. <laughs> He's our president. And uh, I was just thinking, what do I say, especially what may be theologically sound when you have a whole number of professors just staring at you. I said, maybe it's better I speak about something they know nothing about. <laughs> then I would be safe. <coughs> but if uh, I make any errors in that area, uh, I'm still on this journey, I'm still learning, I'm still growing, and uh, I'm just glad to have been a part of this journey that is continuous continually taking place at the school. My life has not been one that you would expect coming from Africa. Many a time when people hear uh, somebody coming up from Africa, they're waiting to hear a very horrendous story about you know, killings and slaughters and so on and so forth and famine and hunger and so on. My life, even though I was exposed to some of those things in part, um, has not been one that I'm good, I, uh, I can say I was a victim of any of such circumstances. Um, I grew up, my mom and dad, my dad was a university professor, an ethnomusicologist, um, uh, and so we traveled a lot. Lived in Zambia for three and a half years, from 1968 to 71, where my dad was a fellow researcher there at the uh, university. Then we moved on to Uganda, which is in East Africa. Zambia is in Central Africa. Um, we moved on to Uganda, three and a half years there also during, if any of you have heard of him, the former dictator, Idi Amin's time. And uh, we lived on the university campus, University of Makere, where my dad founded the uh, Department of Music, Dance, and Drama. From then on, he was called back home to uh, Ghana, so he moved there, um, uh, and there he established the Department of Music at the Caicos University, and we also lived on campus there. My journey has been one of fill, full of uncertainty. Today here, tomorrow there. And I have sought for some, a sense of stability in my life, all my years just to find that whenever you think you're stable and you're about to fulfill something, uh, you have to move or you have to leave an assignment and so on. And I believe that has been a profound or has had a profound effect on my life and my growing up and just my thoughts and my, my being. Um, eventually, in 1993, we moved to Canada where I lived in Toronto, did a few jobs, and then after a few years, um, started my own business. I owned a martial arts and fitness school for 10 years. And within that period, the call of God came upon my life. I had been saved in, when I was 12 years old. And after a few years, I backslid, went through desert wanderings for 17 good years. Through all that time, my mom never gave up on me. She prayed. She loved me, supported me. My dad was also there for me. He was a good dad. 
but in the area of, 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 of my spirit and, and, and spiritual growth, it was my mom who was, and who still is, she's alive, my dad has passed on. And uh, so I came back to God when I was in Toronto through a, a difficult circumstance and uh, accepted the call upon my life through many speakers, evangelists and so on, who had just prophesied over my life and so on. And so I was doing the martial art business, and then I was uh, volunteering almost full-time in, in the church that I belonged to there. And through that, I got my informal training to become a pastor in 1993, sorry, 2008 rather, was sent to the city of Halifax to plant a new church, and uh, alone, by myself, uh, but with God. So... Uh, Started uh, the first day of my service. I had invited a number of people. I had got in touch with six people, and they promised to come. I had my six chairs. I started in my apartment and uh, had everything set up, the bulletins and everything, and no one came. And by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, I did the service from beginning to end, a full period, offering time. My own offering. <laughs> six, uh, sorry, a week after later, just the next Sunday, six people came. And the church began to grow. Never looked back. We found a place. Actually, we were meeting at uh, Reverend Kimber McNabb's uh, church, the Lutheran Church of the Resurrection, which they gave us for free to meet there on Sunday afternoons. And so I did that. And just when I thought this was... This was it. God called me out of that ministry too and uh, planted a new one which uh, started as Encouraging Lives Ministries and now is called Transforming Life Center. We meet at the Dalhousie University on Sundays. And I also have a youth and young adults wing which we meet on Fridays in my home, in my apartment. Um, and through all that, especially through my journey uh, here at the Div College, been through a number of ups and downs and lonely movements, silent movements. Uh, but I appreciate Dr. Gardner, who, when you see, you see me in the hallway, would ask how you're doing and just release a kind word. And I appreciate that very much. And I know a number of you have done that. And God bless you. Um, so, certainty. Uh, but then last year, I went through another uh, unfortunate situation where my wife let me, left me and filed for divorce two weeks after. So we are divorced now. I'm divorced now. Um, uh, but still going. Um, there were difficult moments in the church. By God's grace, everything has stabilized. The church has begun to grow again. And the Lord is still using me in the midst of adversity. There have been difficulties. This was my only year that I was having difficulty paying my school fees. Last week I went to pay the last five dollars. <laughs> we give God praise. But through all of this, the Lord has been teaching me something which probably it took me a long time to learn and I'm still learning that He's in control. In all things, He's in control. And one scripture that has meant, meant so much to me in the book of Psalms, Psalms 23, 
Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. Can you be goodness for me, please? Can you stand up for me? Can you be goodness for me? Where's Doug? Can you be mercy for me? Can you please come forward? So this, these are going to represent my goodness and my mercy. I'm good, right? Yes, you're good. <laughs> and you're merciful, or you're mercy. So no matter where I am, you're going to follow me. Whatever I do, you do. Right? Right. So I'm going. Goodness and mercy are following me. I'm doing okay. Now I'm down. Goodness and mercy are down with me. They have not departed from me. And I'm up again. They're still with me. And I find myself in a tough place. Maybe right behind Aaron right here. <laughs> goodness and mercy are still with me. Somehow, I'm up again. And they're up again. Let's give them a round of applause for you. So I've learned that no matter the circumstance, no matter where I am, no matter what's going on, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in his house forever. Before I end, I have a couple scriptures here, and then I'm going to do something that, if you're not comfortable with, blame Jennifer. I'm going to do a, a little bit of a rap. And um, uh, so this is what I want to say to you through scripture, Isaiah 40, 28 to 31. Have you not known? Have you not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary? His understanding, yes, in my life, has been unsearchable. He gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youths, like Doug, shall faint and be weary. <laughs> and the young men shall utterly fall. But those, those who trust, or those who wait, rather, on the Lord, shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall faint, or they shall walk, rather, and not faint. Then, uh, Dr. Moria gave me a scripture which he didn't know. I was working through that scripture already. Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Friends, I want to share with you a short rap. Hopefully it's as short as can be. Um, I pastor mostly a young adults ministry. And uh, I'm still searching for ways to reach the lost. To communicate in ways that people can understand. Depending on the context that I find myself in. And uh, these words, the lyrics are my own. Pardon me if you don't agree with some. 
Part of them are my story and others are just to help others tell their story also. Hopefully the music is not too loud. And God can help me as I sound. Hallelujah. Somebody put your hands together for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I didn't say John the Baptist. I said Jesus Christ. <laughs> put your hands together. Let's go. Bro. Amen? Amen. Is it on? Down there. Now I am saved, saved from the burning, brands of hell, 
sin and hate is righteous around me. Uh, I'll do that again one more time. Come on. <laughs> His righteousness surrounds me and makes me whole. His peace, His love embraces me overwhelmingly, everlastingly. Now I speak to you as the Lord's servant. His goodness, His mercy endures forever. So you too can. Can be saved from death, from hell, sin and hate. And all you have to do is ask for forgiveness and say to the Lord, Come Lord, come Lord, come into my life. Purge me, wash me, clean me up, and make me whole, new, pure, righteous and sure of my salvation in you alone. Then I'll make it known that you indeed are Lord, Lord, Lord and Savior, my Savior, my Lord, Redeemer and Healer. Holy Spirit, fill me up. Come on, somebody. Holy Spirit, ah. Come on. Holy Spirit, fill me up. Come on. Holy Spirit. Let's say it together. Come, Lord, come, Lord, come into my life. Purge me, wash me, clean me up. Come on. Come, Lord, come, Lord, come into my life. Purge me, wash me, clean me Come on. Holy Spirit, fill me up. Holy Spirit, come on. Holy Spirit, fill me up. Holy Spirit, fill me up. Peace out. Thank you very much.